Welcome to Sunday Morning Live Fellowship. You are listening to our live Sunday morning service. Now turn with me, please, to Acts chapter 12, verses 7 through 10. Acts chapter 12, verses 7 through 10. While you're finding our scripture passage, let me say this. Have you heard the latest about our recent political midterms and the political rivals? Many of them were accused of various indiscretions. And in spite of the negative publicity and accusations, their following is growing. Wow. But really, I want you to take your mind off the recent midterms of our day and go back with me 2,000 years. It is the year A.D. 44. It is in the city of Galilee. And the local politician is Herod Agrippa, the Judean perfect. He had just beheaded James. James, Jesus' disciple, known as the son of thunder. James, that part of that trio, Peter, James, and John. Yes, that James, one of the beloved inner circle of Jesus. James's mother had asked Jesus, when Jesus, when you come into your kingdom, may my sons, one sit on the left and the other sit on the right. Yes, that James was just beheaded by Herod Agrippa. I thought for sure that God would protect James, but that's not what happened. And here's the thing. Herod's latest political approval ratings after he beheaded James shot through the roof. His ratings went up after he killed James. So now, since the people approved of this injustice, Herod is like, well, let me grab another disciple and kill him. So now Peter is in custody. Word on the street has it that tomorrow, after the feast of Passover is over, Herod is going to execute Peter. Meanwhile, the local church, the local Christian church, there's a prayer meeting going on at Mary's house. Mary, the mother of Mark. Now, I want you to think about our present day. I'm sure that you had not been a Christian for very long before you discovered that the enemy with whom you wrestle every day has a very disconcerting way of striking when everything seems to be going well. Just when you think your path has moved out and that the Lord has nothing but blessings ahead and then Everything seems to fall apart at once. 
Let's go to our scripture, Acts chapter 12, verses 7 through 10. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared. A light shone in the prison cell. The angel struck Peter on his side. Peter woke up quick. The angel said, get up. The chains fell off Peter's wrist. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals. Peter did so. Then the angel had to say, put on your coat. The angel told him, follow me. Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and second guards. Then they came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself. They went through it. They walked the length of one street. Suddenly, the angel left Peter. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for divine protection. We thank you for divine providence. We thank you for all the details that you work out in our life. We pray, oh God, that we could sleep peacefully, that we could exist without anxiety, worrying about our future. Most of all, oh God, that we could learn to pray in season and out of season. God, we pray right now for those names that we call during our our introductory remarks, oh God, that you would work out every detail, oh God, of that traumatic incident that happened to that family, oh God, that you would bless the family of that one who lost, oh God, this bishop, this, this patriarch, oh God, this great man of God, God, that you would bless their grieving hearts. God, we pray for nations right now. We take so much for granted, but if it had not been for the Lord on our side, where would we be? Now, God, we pray for these words. Hallelujah. We pray for these words that have been prepared that are nothing without the anointing of your spirit. You work through words. Now, God, we give every word to you and pray that you would anoint in the name of Jesus, oh God, that you would bless all those within the sound of my voice, that you would attend to whatever their needs are. We thank you and give you all the glory in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Verse 9b, but he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. I would like to use for a topic this morning, your condition is not your conclusion, part three. Your condition is not your conclusion, Part three. That is what happens in chapter 11 of the book of Acts. You're like, what? What what happened? Well, I said it a few sentences ago that 
when everything was going well for the church. That's what was happening in chapter 11. Blessing upon blessing was being poured out as God's spirit was moving in the city of Antioch and the Christian enterprise was expanding and spreading even to the Gentiles. So now we see in response from what the enemy is witnessing, the enemy strikes back with a vicious slashing power against the church. We may be 2,000 years separated from this first century, but we are not 20 centuries away from the book of Acts. This book is still very contemporary because it accounts of the timeless work and move of the spirit of God. His spirit is still moving. His spirit is in every age working today just as it did in the book of Acts. And the Bible says in verses 1 through 3, about that time, Herod the king laid violent hands upon some who belonged to the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. This was during the days of unleavened bread. That means that it was during the Passover season. This, beloved, is the same time of year when Jesus was taken and crucified. But now it is 12 years later. It is the year of A.D. 44, 12 years after the crucifixion and the coming of the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost. And in these 12 years, the church has been growing and expanding and spreading all the way to Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. But now, the enemy strikes hard and moves Herod the king to take James, the brother of John, and to behead him with a sword. James was the first of the apostles to die. Now, when James was first taken captive into Herod's custody, the church is not even disturbed. Remember, everything is going well. There are blessings upon blessings. There's no mention of the church gathering together and having a prayer meeting. No doubt they think that God will just release James just like he did in Acts chapter 5 when all of the apostles were in prison and an angel came by night and opened the door. So the church was not worried, but imagine the stunning, shattering effect when James is beheaded and the news reaches the church that the first of the apostles has laid down his life as a martyr. The church is so stunned. So when Peter is taken, 
there is great concern. Verses 4 and 5 read, And when he, Herod, had seized him, that is Peter, he put him in prison and delivered him to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out to the peace people. So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. Mm, yeah, see, now the church is praying. No, we're not planning a potluck right now. No more fun and games and bingo at church right now. This is serious, and so it is that the church made prayer on behalf of Peter. So you can also see that Herod is afraid of something too because he takes special care to see that Peter is held. He details four squads, 16 soldiers altogether to watch this one man. Two guards are chained to his wrist and two guards are standing at the door of his cell. Herod is not taking any chances with this man to be rescued by a Christian church coup. But Peter was not afraid. Let's see what Peter is doing. And the Bible says the very night when Herod was about to bring him out, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and centuries before the door were guarding the prison. And the Bible says, And behold, suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell. And he struck Peter on the side and woke him, saying, Get up quickly. And the chains fell off his hands. And the angel said to him, Dress yourself and put on your sandals. And he did so. And he said to him, Wrap your mantle around you and follow me. And he went out and followed him. He did not know that what was done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. When they had passed the first and second guard, they came to the iron gate leading into the city. It opened to them of its own accord, and they went out and passed on through one street and Suddenly the angel left him and Peter came to himself. Now I am sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all that the Jewish people were expecting. Do you see it, beloved? Suddenly an angel appeared and suddenly the angel left. Peter. How many know that God's suddenlies are from heaven? <laughs> he is the sovereign one. Though the enemy may instigate and though the enemy may orchestrate, it is God in heaven who regulates. Beloved, before your 
suddenly reaches you, it has already passed through God's hands. God's suddenlies will shake you loose from the prison that holds you. Even the prison foundation that holds everything in place will crumble. But God's power comes suddenly and works immediately. God moves suddenly. He moves unexpectedly. He'll move when you are unaware that he is even moving. And the next thing you'll know is that it's already done. Suddenly, you got saved. Suddenly, you were healed. Suddenly, you were delivered. <laughs> Suddenly, God will provide you with what you need it. When you need it, suddenly you'll be called by God. Suddenly you'll find out that God has answered your prayer and healed your heart that was broken in so many pieces because suddenly is how God moves. He moves instantly. He moves unexpectedly. Beloved, God is never before his time, but he's also never late. He comes just when he knows that his execution is imminent. In the face of all that stress, Peter is sleeping so soundly that a bright light from the angel did not even awaken him. His faith in his Savior is so that he knows that he is resting in the arms of Jesus and sleeping like a baby so that when the angel awakens Peter and strikes him. Peter is surprised and the chains fall from Peter's arms. The guards remain asleep, but the angel wakes Peter up and tells Peter everything he needs to do. I had to chuckle just a little bit. Here's the funny part. The angel had to tell Peter, now Get up, Peter. The angel had to tell Peter, now get dressed. Put your sandals on. Wrap your mantle around you, Peter. Put your coat on and follow me out of the prison. It was like a parent trying to get a sleepy kid ready for school early in the morning. Peter is bewildered. The angel has to lead him by the hand out into the city gates. But now get this, beloved. The angel, the angel did something supernatural. He came and got Peter out. But even in the midst of this supernatural move, Peter also had to do his part. <laughs> Peter had to get up. Peter had to dress himself. Peter had to walk out. That's his 
part and God is waiting on some of you to do your part. He's got your miracle ready. The appearance of the miracle has already shown, but God is waiting for you to do your part. Now, <laughs> Peter is not sure what is happening, but when he gets to the outside, the Bible says the iron gate leading into the city opened of its own accord. What is that about? Mm, opened of its own accord. Gates don't have any accord. They don't have a will of their own. Gates don't have desires. Gates can't decide. They don't have any accord. They don't have impulses. God opened that gate. Beloved, we need to be reminded that even if the gates did have a mind of their own, that mind would have to swing on the hinges of God's will. Mm. The, the soldiers had a mind and all they could do was sleep. Mm. But the gates did not have a mind and they open by the power of God. That's the way it works. Mind or no mind. When God moves, it's over. No king, no soldier, no gate could stop. Peter's deliverance. So what's between you and God's call on your life? How many mindless obstacles are between you and God's call? Beloved, God has a plan for every one of his children, but there are innumerable bars of iron in the way. Gates, fallen trees, canyons, mountains. Maybe it's the lack of money. Maybe it's a disability. Maybe it's a sickness or a virus or aging or hostile adversities or lack of training or discouragement or fear or anger or injustice or prejudice. Or maybe you've lost your hope. The angels did not wake up and the chains fell off and the gates open. Mindless material, obey the mind of God. If God has a purpose for you, and he always does, every gate will open on its own accord that is standing in your way. You must pray. We must work and we must wait. God is going to move that obstacle out of your way. And the Bible says, the realization suddenly strikes Peter that God has indeed set him free from prison. When Peter realizes this, he went to the prayer meeting, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, Mark, 
where the church was gathered for prayer. And when Peter was knocking on the door, a maid by the name of Rhoda came to the door and answered. Recognizing Peter's voice, in her excitement, she did not open the door, but ran and told the adults that Peter was standing at the door. But the adults told this young girl, you have lost your mind. They said, no, that was not Peter. It was his angel. But Peter continued knocking. And when they opened, they saw him and were amazed. Look at this. Peter is pounding on the door. God has answered their prayers. But they would not believe this young girl that it was Peter. And when they saw Peter, they were shocked that God had answered their prayers. Isn't it strange how weak our faith can be sometimes? Verses 18 and 19 says, Now when day came, there was no small stir among the soldiers over what had become of Peter. Mm. The church is now rejoicing. The church is praising God. But now it's the next day. And Herod realizes that Peter is no longer in prison. And when he could not find Peter, he had the soldiers put to death. Sixteen innocent soldiers die because Herod would not believe the story that they told him. And the only explanation that Herod would come up is that the soldiers had instigated to release Peter. But here's what ended up happening to Herod. On an appointed day, the Bible says, Herod put on his royal robes and took his seat upon the throne and made an oration to them. And the people shouted, they're shouting to Herod, the local politician, that Herod's voice was a God and not a man. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord smote him because he did not give God the glory and he was eaten by worms and died. But the word of God grew and multiplied. Beloved, this is exactly what happens in our lives today. When we begin to take credit for what God has done, when we begin to say to ourselves that we produce this all by ourselves without the help of God, this is the tragic error and vein in that we come to when we feel that we can operate in our own power and not give God the glory. Suddenly, an angel stricken Herod and 
He was eaten by worms. God's way of demonstrating that pride comes before a fall and that we must give God all the glory for everything that God gives us the ability to do for our very life, for our very breath, for all that we have, even all that we are able to give away is not in our own power. Not in our own accord, but it is all because of glory, of God's glory and power. Now you may be asking yourself, why was James killed and Peter delivered? Why did God allow the brother of John to be put to death while Peter was saved with angelic intervention. Couldn't he have just saved James as well? I'm not sure I have all the answer, but I can't help but note what was going on in verse 5. So Peter, verse 5, so Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. Do you see the difference? Peter was kept in prison just like James. But the difference was that one little word, but, mm, but, but earnest prayer to God was made for Peter by the church. Some of you see what difference does prayer make? Couldn't God just have set Peter free without the prayer? What difference did the prayer of the church make? But let us never forget what James, not this James, but another James, James, the brother of Jesus, wrote in the epistle of James where it says, you have not, this is James 4 and 2, you have not, Because you ask not. You see, in his wisdom, God has designed that his people shall participate in what he does. God is impressing upon his people here that when danger threatens the program of God or the people of God, it is a call to prayer. We are not to take the events of our day for granted as though there were nothing we could do anything about or participate in prayer becomes a mighty powerful thrust on the part of the people of God to change events. That above all else is what this message is shouting to us. Prayer is the most natural and normal response of a heart that is dependent upon God. If we are really counting on God to do something, then our part is to pray about it as we trust him and communicate with him. If you are not counting on God, then you're not praying about it. But if you are depending on God, 
then you are praying. God, we must go to him beyond our ritual form or perfunctuary utterance that means nothing. We must be moved to a dependence on God and pray God a prayer that comes from our dependence, Lord. I need you, Lord. I can't make this journey on my own, Lord. You are God and you are God alone and only you can work. This is what happened to the early church when they realized that James had been put to death and that this vicious attack of the enemy could be successful. It suddenly crystallized in their minds. We better have a prayer meeting. We must do our part. We must pray earnestly for Peter's deliverance. God works in the same way today, and he will respond to your prayers. That does not mean that everything you pray for, you will receive, but sometimes God overrules our prayers, but prayer does other things as well. Even when we don't get what we wanted, I'm almost done. First of all, prayer has the ability to postpone or delay God's judgment or an act of the enemy. James was taken, but Peter's execution was postponed for another day. This is the primary power of prayer. It can put, oh, I know I'm right. It can put something off which is threatening and impending at the moment. It may not remove it entirely, but it can change. Prayer can change the time schedule. Second, number two, is the fact that Peter is at peace. Though he is waiting execution, how can Peter sleep like a baby? If it was you and I that was waiting for our execution the next day, we would have went to the pharmacy and ordered an entire bottle of Simonex sleeping pills so that we could sleep through the whole thing. But Peter slept peacefully because the church was praying for him. Oftentimes, we are praying for others to be delivered. We are praying for their strength. And that is why this apostle, this disciple, was praying that God would keep him. And then number three, the other reason that we pray is because even when the situation is complicated, we pray that God would interpret our weaknesses when we can't find the right words to pray. When the Father knows best, the Bible says in Romans 8, um, that the Spirit will 
interpret even our feelings, even our weaknesses, even our moanings and our groanings, that he will interpret them and give that interpretation to the Father. We pray so that prison doors can be opened. We pray so that situations can be changed. We pray so that rulers can be destroyed. Prayer changes things. Those obstacles that are threatening you right now, please remember to pray and that your condition is not your conclusion. Maybe you're being faced with something right now. Pray to God. Give it to God. Stop looking at the obstacle and lay down and rest as you leave it in the arms of Jesus and know that your deliverance is already in place. God bless you, beloved. If you have not received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, if you are ready to acknowledge that you are a sinner, pray this simple prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. I have done many things that don't please you. I have lived my life for myself only. I am sorry. I repent. I ask you to forgive me. I believe that you died on the cross for me to save me. You did what I could not do for myself. I come to you now and ask you to take control of my life. I give my life to you from this day forward. Help me to live every day for you. Lord Jesus, in a way that pleases you. If you prayed that simple prayer with me, please contact me at 231-349-1046 as we pray with you and explain to you the first steps of salvation. God bless you, beloved. Welcome to Sunday Morning Live Fellowship. You are listening to our live Sunday morning service. Now turn with me, please, to Acts chapter 12, verses 7 through 10. Acts chapter 12, verses 7 through 10. While you're finding our scripture passage, let me say this. Have you heard the latest? about our recent political midterms and the political rivals. Many of them were accused of various indiscretions. And in spite of the negative publicity and accusations, their following is growing. Wow. But really, I want 
you to take your mind off the recent midterms of our day and go back with me 2,000 years. It is the year A.D. 44. It is in the city of Galilee. And the local politician is Herod Agrippa, the Judean perfect. He had just beheaded James. James, Jesus' disciple, known as the son of thunder. James, that part of that trio, Peter, James, and John. Yes, that James, one of the beloved inner circle of Jesus. James's mother had asked Jesus, when Jesus, when you come into your kingdom, may my sons one sit on the left and the other sit on the right. Yes, that James was just beheaded by Herod Agrippa. I thought for sure that God would protect James, but that's not what happened. And here's the thing. Herod's latest political approval ratings after he beheaded James shot through the roof. His ratings went up after he killed James. So now, since the people approved of this injustice, Herod is like, well, let me grab another disciple and kill him. So now Peter is in custody. Word on the street has it that tomorrow, after the feast of Passover is over, Herod is going to execute Peter. Meanwhile, the local church, the local Christian church, there's a prayer meeting going on at Mary's house, Mary, the mother of Mark. Now, I want you to think about our present day. I'm sure that you had not been a Christian for very long before you discovered that the enemy with whom you wrestle every day has a very disconcerting way of striking when everything seems to be going well. Just when you think your path has moved out and that the Lord has nothing but blessings ahead and then Everything seems to fall apart at once. Let's go to our scripture, Acts chapter 12, verses 7 through 10. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared. A light shone in the prison cell. The angel struck Peter on his side. Peter woke up. Quick, the angel said, get up. The chains fell off Peter's wrist. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals. Peter did so. Then the angel had to say, put on your coat. The angel told him, follow me. Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and second 
guards. Then they came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself. They went through it. They walked the length of one street. Suddenly, the angel left Peter. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for divine protection. We thank you for divine providence. We thank you for all the details that you work out in our life. We pray, oh God, that we could sleep peacefully, that we could exist without anxiety, worrying about our future. Most of all, oh God, that we could learn to pray in season and out of season. God, we pray right now for those names that we call during our our introductory remarks, oh God, that you would work out every detail, oh God, of that traumatic incident that happened to that family, oh God, that you would bless the family of that one who lost, oh God, this bishop, this this patriarch, oh God, this great man of God, God, that you would bless their grieving hearts. God, we pray for nations right now. We take so much for granted, but if it had not been for the Lord on our side, where would we be? Now, God, we pray for these words. Hallelujah. We pray for these words that have been prepared that are nothing without the anointing of your spirit. You work through words. Now, God, we give every word to you and pray that you would anoint in the name of Jesus, oh God, that you would bless all those within the sound of my voice, that you would attend to whatever their needs are. We thank you and give you all the glory in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Verse 9b, but he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. I would like to use for a topic this morning, your condition is not your conclusion, part three. Your condition is not your conclusion, Part three. That is what happens in chapter 11 of the book of Acts. You're like, what? What what happened? Well, I said it a few sentences ago that when everything was going well for the church, that's what was happening in chapter 11. Blessing upon blessing was being poured out as God's spirit was moving in the city of Antioch and the Christian enterprise was expanding and spreading even to the Gentiles. So now we see in response from what the enemy is witnessing, the enemy strikes back with a vicious slashing power against the church. We may be 2,000 years separated from this first century, but we are not 20 centuries away from the book of Acts. 
this book is still very contemporary because it accounts of the timeless work and move of the spirit of God. His spirit is still moving. His spirit is in every age working today just as it did in the book of Acts. And the Bible says in verses 1 through 3, about that time, Herod the king laid violent hands upon some who belonged to the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. This was during the days of unleavened bread. That means that it was during the Passover season. This, beloved, is the same time of year when Jesus was taken and crucified. But now it is 12 years later. It is the year of A.D. 44, 12 years after the crucifixion and the coming of the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost. And in these 12 years, the church has been growing and expanding and spreading all the way to Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. But now, the enemy strikes hard and moves Herod the king to take James, the brother of John, and to behead him with a sword. James was the first of the apostles to die. Now, when James was first taken captive into Herod's custody, the church is not even disturbed. Remember, everything is going well. There are blessings upon blessings. There's no mention of the church gathering together and having a prayer meeting. No doubt they think that God will just release James just like he did in Acts chapter 5 when all of the apostles were in prison and an angel came by night and opened the door. So the church was not worried, but imagine the stunning, shattering effect when James is beheaded and the news reaches the church that the first of the apostles has laid down his life as a martyr. The church is so stunned. So when Peter is taken, there is great concern. Verses 4 and 5 read, And when he, Herod, had seized him, that is Peter, he put him in prison and delivered him to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out to the peace people. So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. Mm, yeah, see, now the church is praying. No, we're not planning a potluck right now. No more fun and games and bingo at church right now. This is serious. And so it is that the church 
made prayer on behalf of Peter. So you can also see that Herod is afraid of something too because he takes special care to see that Peter is held. He details four squads, 16 soldiers altogether to watch this one man. Two guards are chained to his wrist and two guards are standing at the door of his cell. Herod is not taking any chances with this man to be rescued by a Christian church coup. But Peter was not afraid. Let's see what Peter is doing. And the Bible says the very night when Herod was about to bring him out, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and centuries before the door were guarding the prison. And the Bible says, And behold, suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell. And he struck Peter on the side and woke him, saying, Get up quickly. And the chains fell off his hands. And the angel said to him, Dress yourself and put on your sandals. And he did so. And he said to him, Wrap your mantle around you and follow me. And he went out and followed him. He did not know that what was done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. When they had passed the first and second guard, they came to the iron gate leading into the city. It opened to them of its own accord, and they went out and passed on through one street, and suddenly the angel left him, and Peter came to himself. Now I am sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all that the Jewish people were expecting. Do you see it, beloved? Suddenly an angel appeared, and suddenly the angel left. Peter. How many know that God's suddenlies are from heaven? <laughs> he is the sovereign one. Though the enemy may instigate and though the enemy may orchestrate, it is God in heaven who regulates. Beloved, before your suddenly reaches you, it has already passed through God's hands. God's suddenlies will shake you loose from the prison that holds you. Even the prison foundation that holds everything in place will crumble, but God's power comes suddenly and works immediately. God moves suddenly. He moves unexpectedly. He'll move when you are unaware that he is even moving. And the next thing you'll know is that it's already done. Suddenly, you got saved. Suddenly, you were healed. Suddenly, you were delivered. <laughs> 
suddenly God will provide you with what you need it. When you need it, suddenly you'll be called by God. Suddenly you'll find out that God has answered your prayer and healed your heart that was broken in so many pieces because suddenly is how God moves. He moves instantly. He moves unexpectedly. Beloved, God is never before his time, but he's also never late. He comes just when he knows that his execution is imminent. In the face of all that stress, Peter is sleeping so soundly that a bright light from the angel did not even awaken him. His faith in his Savior is so that he knows that he is resting in the arms of Jesus and sleeping like a baby so that when the angel awakens Peter and strikes him. Peter is surprised and the chains fall from Peter's arms. The guards remain asleep, but the angel wakes Peter up and tells Peter everything he needs to do. I had to chuckle just a little bit. Here's the funny part. The angel had to tell Peter, now Get up, Peter. The angel had to tell Peter, now get dressed. Put your sandals on. Wrap your mantle around you, Peter. Put your coat on and follow me out of the prison. It was like a parent trying to get a sleepy kid ready for school early in the morning. Peter is bewildered. The angel has to lead him by the hand out into the city gates. But now get this, beloved. The angel, the angel did something supernatural. He came and got Peter out. But even in the midst of this supernatural move, Peter also had to do his part. <laughs> Peter had to get up. Peter had to dress himself. Peter had to walk out. That's his part. And God is waiting on some of you to do your part. He's got your miracle ready. The appearance of the miracle has already shown. But God is waiting for you to do your part. Now, <laughs> Peter is not sure what is happening. But when he gets to the outside, the Bible says the iron gate leading into the city opened of its own accord. What is that about? Mm, opened of its own accord. Gates don't have any accord. They don't have a will of their own. Gates don't have desires. Gates can't decide. They don't have any accord. They don't have impulses. God opened that gate. Beloved, we need to be reminded that even if the gates 
did have a mind of their own, that mind would have to swing on the hinges of God's will. Mm. The, the soldiers had a mind and all they could do was sleep. Mm. But the gates did not have a mind and they opened by the power of God. That's the way it works. Mind or no mind. When God moves, it's over. No king, no soldier, no gate could stop. Peter's deliverance. So what's between you and God's call on your life? How many mindless obstacles are between you and God's call? Beloved, God has a plan for every one of his children, but there are innumerable bars of iron in the way, gates, fallen trees, canyons, mountains. Maybe it's the lack of money. Maybe it's a disability. Maybe it's a sickness or a virus or aging or hostile adversities or lack of training or discouragement or fear or anger or injustice or prejudice or maybe you've lost your hope. The angels did not wake up and the chains fell off and the gates open. Mindless material, obey the mind of God. If God has a purpose for you, and he always does, every gate will open on its own accord that is standing in your way. You must pray. We must work and we must wait. God is going to move that obstacle out of your way. And the Bible says, the realization suddenly strikes Peter that God has indeed set him free from prison. When Peter realizes this, he went to the prayer meeting, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, Mark, where the church was gathered for prayer. And when Peter was knocking on the door, a maid by the name of Rhoda came to the door and answered. Recognizing Peter's voice, in her excitement, she did not open the door, but ran and told the adults that Peter was standing at the door. But the adults told this young girl, you have lost your mind. They said, no, that was not Peter. It was his angel. But Peter continued knocking. And when they opened, they saw him and were amazed. Look at this. Peter is pounding on the door. God has answered their prayers. But they would not believe this young girl that it was Peter. And when they saw Peter, 
they were shocked that God had answered their prayers. Isn't it strange how weak our faith can be sometimes? Verses 18 and 19 says, Now when day came, there was no small stir among the soldiers over what had become of Peter. Mm. The church is now rejoicing. The church is praising God. But now it's the next day. And Herod realizes that Peter is no longer in prison. And when he could not find Peter, he had the soldiers put to death. 16 innocent soldiers die because Herod would not believe the story that they told him. And the only explanation that Herod would come up is that the soldiers had instigated to release Peter. But here's what ended up happening to Herod. On an appointed day, the Bible says, Herod put on his royal robes and took his seat upon the throne and made an oration to them. And the people shouted, they're shouting to Herod, the local politician, that Herod's voice was a God and not a man. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord smote him because he did not give God the glory and he was eaten by worms and died. But the word of God grew and multiplied. Beloved, this is exactly what happens in our lives today. When we begin to take credit for what God has done, when we begin to say to ourselves that we produce this all by ourselves without the help of God, this is the tragic error and vein in that we come to when we feel that we can operate in our own power and not give God the glory. Suddenly, an angel stricken Herod and he was eaten by worms. God's way of demonstrating that pride comes before a fall and that we must give God all the glory for everything that God gives us the ability to do for our very life, for our very breath, for all that we have, even all that we are able to give away is not in our own power. <clears throat> Not in our own accord, but it is all because of glory, of God's glory and power. Now, you may be asking yourself, why was James killed and Peter delivered? Why did God allow the brother of John to be put to death while Peter was saved with angelic intervention. Couldn't he have just saved James as well? I'm not sure I have all the answer, 
but I can't help but know what was going on in verse 5. So Peter, verse 5, so Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. Do you see the difference? Peter was kept in prison just like James. But the difference was that one little word, but, mm, but, but earnest prayer to God was made for Peter by the church. Some of you see what difference does prayer make? Couldn't God just have set Peter free without the prayer? What difference did the prayer of the church make? But let us never forget what James, not this James, but another James, James, the brother of Jesus, wrote in the epistle of James where it says, you have not, this is James 4 and 2, you have not because you ask not. You see, in his wisdom, God has designed that his people shall participate in what he does. God is impressing upon his people here that when danger threatens the program of God or the people of God, it is a call to prayer. We are not to take the events of our day for granted as though there were nothing we could do anything about or participate in prayer becomes a mighty powerful thrust on the part of the people of God to change events. That above all else is what this message is shouting to us. Prayer is the most natural and normal response of a heart that is dependent upon God. If we are really counting on God to do something, then our part is to pray about it as we trust him and communicate with him. If you are not counting on God, then you're not praying about it. But if you are depending on God, then you are praying. God, we must go to him beyond our ritual, formal, perfunctuary utterance that means nothing. We must be moved to a dependence on God and pray God a prayer that comes from our dependence. Lord, I need you. Lord, I can't make this journey on my own. Lord, you are God and you are God alone and only you can work. This is what happened to the early church when they realized that James had been put to death and that this vicious attack of the enemy could be successful. It suddenly crystallized in their minds. We better have a prayer meeting. We must do our part. We must pray earnestly for Peter's deliverance. God works in the same way today, and he will respond 
to your prayers. That does not mean that everything you pray for, you will receive. But sometimes God overrules our prayers. But prayer does other things as well. Even when we don't get what we wanted. I'm almost done. First of all, prayer has the ability to postpone or delay God's judgment or an act of the enemy. James was taken, but Peter's execution was postponed for another day. This is the primary power of prayer. It can put, oh, I know I'm right. It can put something off, which is threatening and impending at the moment. It may not remove it entirely, but it can change. Prayer can change the time schedule. Second, number two, is the fact that Peter is at peace. Though he is waiting execution, how can Peter sleep like a baby? If it was you and I that was waiting for our execution the next day, we would have went to the pharmacy and ordered an entire bottle of Simonex sleeping pills so that we could sleep through the whole thing. But Peter slept peacefully because the church was praying for him. Oftentimes, we are praying for others to be delivered. We are praying for their strength. And that is why this apostle, this disciple, was praying that God would keep him. And then number three, the other reason that we pray is because even when the situation is complicated, we pray that God would interpret our weaknesses when we can't find the right words to pray. When the Father knows best, the Bible says in Romans 8, um, that the Spirit will interpret uh, even our feelings, um, even our weaknesses, um, even our moanings and our groanings, uh, that He will interpret them and give that interpretation to the Father. We pray so that prison doors can be opened. We pray so that situations can be changed. We pray so that rulers can be destroyed. Prayer changes things. Those obstacles that are threatening you right now, please remember to pray and that your condition is not your conclusion. Maybe you're being faced with something right now. Pray to God. Give it to God. Stop looking at the obstacle and lay down and rest as you leave it in the arms of Jesus and know that your deliverance 
is already in place. God bless you, beloved. If you have not received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, if you are ready to acknowledge that you are a sinner, pray this simple prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. I have done many things that don't please you. I have lived my life for myself only. I am sorry. I repent. I ask you to forgive me. I believe that you died on the cross for me to save me. You did what I could not do for myself. I come to you now and ask you to take control of my life. I give my life to you from this day forward. Help me to live every day for you. Lord Jesus, in a way that pleases you. If you prayed that simple prayer with me, please contact me at 231-349-1046 as we pray with you and explain to you the first steps of salvation. God bless you, beloved. Welcome to Sunday Morning Live Fellowship. You are listening to our live Sunday morning service. Now turn with me, please, to Acts chapter 12, verses 7 through 10. Acts chapter 12, verses 7 through 10. While you're finding our scripture passage, let me say this. Have you heard the latest? about our recent political midterms and the political rivals. Many of them were accused of various indiscretions. And in spite of the negative publicity and accusations, their following is growing. Wow. But really, I want you to take your mind off the recent midterms of our day and go back with me 2,000 years. It is the year A.D. 44. It is in the city of Galilee, and the local politician is Herod Agrippa, the Judean perfect. He had just beheaded James. James, Jesus' disciple, known as the son of thunder. James, that part of that trio, Peter, James, and John. Yes, that James, one of the beloved inner circle of Jesus. James's mother had asked Jesus, when Jesus, when you come into your kingdom, may my sons, one sit on the left. And the other said on the right. Yes, that James was just beheaded by Herod Agrippa. I thought for sure that God would protect James, but that's not what happened. And here's the thing. Herod's latest political approval ratings after he beheaded James, shot through the roof. 
his ratings went up after he killed James. So now, since the people approved of this injustice, Herod is like, well, let me grab another disciple and kill him. So now Peter is in custody. Word on the street has it that tomorrow, after the feast of Passover is over, Herod is going to execute Peter. Meanwhile, the local church, the local Christian church, there's a prayer meeting going on at Mary's house, Mary, the mother of Mark. Now, I want you to think about our present day. I'm sure that you had not been a Christian for very long before you discovered that the enemy with whom you wrestle every day has a very disconcerting way of striking when everything seems to be going well. Just when you think your path has moved out and that the Lord has nothing but blessings ahead and then Everything seems to fall apart at once. Let's go to our scripture, Acts chapter 12, verses 7 through 10. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared. A light shone in the prison cell. The angel struck Peter on his side. Peter woke up. Quick, the angel said, get up. The chains fell off Peter's wrist. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals. Peter did so. Then the angel had to say, put on your coat. The angel told him, follow me. Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and second guards. Then they came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself. They went through it. They walked the length of one street. Suddenly, the angel left Peter. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for divine protection. We thank you for divine providence. We thank you for all the details that you work out in our life. We pray, oh God, that we could sleep peacefully, that we could exist without anxiety, worrying about our future. Most of all, oh God, that we can learn to pray in season and out of season. God, we pray right now for those names that we call during our our introductory remarks, oh God, that you would work out every detail, oh God, of that traumatic incident that happened to that family, oh God, that you would bless the family of that one who lost, oh God, this bishop, this, this patriarch, oh God, this great man of God, God, that you would bless their grieving hearts. God, we pray for nations right now. We take 
so much for granted, but if it had not been for the Lord on our side, where would we be? Now, God, we pray for these words. Hiya. Hallelujah. We pray for these words that have been prepared that are nothing without the anointing of your spirit. You work through words. Now, God, we give every word to you and pray that you would anoint in the name of Jesus, oh God, that you would bless all those within the sound of my voice, that you would attend to whatever their needs are. We thank you and give you all the glory in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Verse 9b, but he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. I would like to use for a topic this morning, your condition is not your conclusion, part three. Your condition is not your conclusion, Part three. That is what happens in chapter 11 of the book of Acts. You're like, what? What what happened? Well, I said it a few sentences ago that when everything was going well for the church, that's what was happening in chapter 11. Blessing upon blessing was being poured out as God's spirit was moving in the city of Antioch and the Christian enterprise was expanding and spreading even to the Gentiles. So now we see in response from what the enemy is witnessing, the enemy strikes back with a vicious slashing power against the church. We may be 2,000 years separated from this first century, but we are not 20 centuries away from the book of Acts. This book is still very contemporary because it accounts of the timeless work and move of the Spirit of God. His Spirit is still moving. His Spirit is in every age working today just as it did in the book of Acts. And the Bible says in verses 1 through 3, about that time, Herod the king laid violent hands upon some who belonged to the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. This was during the days of unleavened bread. That means that it was during the Passover season. This, beloved, is the same time of year when Jesus was taken and crucified. But now it is 12 years later. It is the year of A.D. 44. 12 years 
after the crucifixion and the coming of the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost. And in these 12 years, the church has been growing and expanding and spreading all the way to Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. But now... The enemy strikes hard and moves Herod the king to take James, the brother of John, and to behead him with a sword. James was the first of the apostles to die. Now, when James was first taken captive into Herod's custody, the church is not even disturbed, remember, Everything is going well. There are blessings upon blessings. There's no mention of the church gathering together and having a prayer meeting. No doubt they think that God will just release James just like he did in Acts chapter 5 when all of the apostles were in prison and an angel came by night and opened the door. So the church was not Worried, but imagine the stunning, shattering effect when James is beheaded and the news reaches the church that the first of the apostles has laid down his life as a martyr. The church is so stunned. So when Peter is taken, there is great concern. Verses 4 and 5 read, And when he... Herod had seized him, that is Peter, he put him in prison and delivered him to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out to the peace people. So Peter was kept in prison. But earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. Mm, yeah. See, now the church is praying. No, we're not planning a potluck right now. No more fun and games and bingo at church right now. This is serious. And so it is that the church made prayer on behalf of Peter. So you can also see that Herod is afraid of something too because he takes special care to see that Peter is held. He details four squads, 16 soldiers altogether to watch this one man. Two guards are chained to his wrist and two guards are standing at the door of his cell. Herod is not taking any chances with this man to be rescued by a Christian church coup. But Peter was not afraid. Let's see what Peter is doing. And the Bible says the very night when Herod was about to bring him out, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and centuries before the door were guarding the prison. And the Bible says, And behold, suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell, and he struck 
Peter on the side and woke him saying, get up quickly. And the chains fell off his hands. And the angel said to him, dress yourself and put on your sandals. And he did so. And he said to him, wrap your mantle around you and follow me. And he went out and followed him. He did not know that what was done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. When they had passed the first and second guard, they came to the iron gate leading into the city. It opened to them of its own accord, and they went out and passed on through one street and Suddenly the angel left him and Peter came to himself. Now I am sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all that the Jewish people were expecting. Do you see it, beloved? Suddenly an angel appeared and suddenly the angel left. Peter. How many know that God's suddenlies are from heaven? <laughs> he is the sovereign one. Though the enemy may instigate and though the enemy may orchestrate, it is God in heaven who regulates. Beloved, before your suddenly reaches you, it has already passed through God's hands. God's suddenlies will shake you loose from the prison that holds you. Even the prison foundation that holds everything in place will crumble, but God's power comes suddenly and works immediately. God moves suddenly. He moves unexpectedly. He'll move when you are unaware that he is even moving. And the next thing you'll know is that it's already done. Suddenly, you got saved. Suddenly, you were healed. Suddenly, you were delivered. <laughs> Suddenly, God will provide you with what you need it. When you need it, suddenly you'll be called by God. Suddenly, you'll find out that God has answered your prayer and healed your heart that was broken in so many pieces because suddenly is how God moves. He moves instantly. He moves unexpectedly. Beloved, God is never before his time, but he's also never late. He comes just when he knows that his execution is imminent. In the face of all that stress, Peter is sleeping so soundly that a bright light from the angel did not even awaken him. His faith in his Savior is so that he knows that he is resting in the arms of Jesus and sleeping like a baby so that when the angel 
awakens Peter and strikes him. Peter is surprised and the chains fall from Peter's arms. The guards remain asleep, but the angel wakes Peter up and tells Peter everything he needs to do. I had to chuckle just a little bit. Here's the funny part. The angel had to tell Peter, now get up, Peter. The angel had to tell Peter, now get dressed. Put your sandals on. Wrap your mantle around you, Peter. Put your coat on and follow me out of the prison. It was like a parent trying to get a sleepy kid ready for school early in the morning. Peter is bewildered. The angel has to lead him by the hand out into the city gates. But now get this, beloved. The angel... The angel did something supernatural. He came and got Peter out. But even in the midst of this supernatural move, Peter also had to do his part. <laughs> Peter had to get up. Peter had to dress himself. Peter had to walk out. That's his part. And God is waiting on some of you to do your part. He's got your miracle ready. The appearance of the miracle has already shown. But God is waiting for you to do your part. Now, <laughs> Peter is not sure what is happening. But when he gets to the outside, the Bible says the iron gate leading into the city opened of its own accord. What is that about? Mm, opened of its own accord. Gates don't have any accord. They don't have a will of their own. Gates don't have desires. Gates can't decide. They don't have any accord. They don't have impulses. God opened that gate. Beloved, we need to be reminded that even if the gates did have a mind of their own, that mind would have to swing on the hinges of God's will. Mm. The, the soldiers had a mind and all they could do was sleep. But the gates did not have a mind and they opened by the power of God. That's the way it works. Mind or no mind. When God moves, it's over. No king, no soldier, no gate could stop. Peter's deliverance. So what's between you and God's call on your life? How many mindless obstacles are between you and God's call? Beloved, God has a plan for every one of his children, but there are innumerable bars of iron in the way. Gates 
fallen trees, canyons, mountains. Maybe it's the lack of money. Maybe it's a disability. Maybe it's a sickness or a virus or aging or hostile adversities or lack of training or discouragement or fear or anger or injustice or prejudice or maybe you've lost your hope. The angels did not wake up and the chains fell off and the gates open. Mindless material, obey the mind of God. If God has a purpose for you, and he always does, every gate will open on its own accord that is standing in your way. You must pray. We must work and we must wait. God is going to move that obstacle out of your way. And the Bible says, the realization suddenly strikes Peter that God has indeed set him free from prison. When Peter realizes this, he went to the prayer meeting, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, Mark, where the church was gathered for prayer. And when Peter was knocking on the door, a maid by the name of Rhoda came to the door and answered. Recognizing Peter's voice, in her excitement, she did not open the door, but ran and told the adults that Peter was standing at the door. But the adults told this young girl, you have lost lost your mind. They said, no, that was not Peter. It was his angel. But Peter continued knocking. And when they opened, they saw him and were amazed. Look at this. Peter is pounding on the door. God has answered their prayers, but they would not believe this young girl that it was Peter. And when they saw Peter, they were shocked that God had answered their prayers. Isn't it strange how weak our faith can be sometimes? Verses 18 and 19 says, now when day came, there was no small stir among the soldiers over what had become of Peter. Mm. The church is now rejoicing. The church is praising God. But now it's the next day. And Herod realizes that Peter is no longer in prison. And when he could not find Peter, he had the soldiers put to death. 16 innocent soldiers die because Herod would not believe the story that they told him. And the only explanation that Herod would come up is that the soldiers had instigated to release Peter. But here's what ended up happening to Herod. On an appointed day, the Bible says, Herod 
put on his royal robes and took his seat upon the throne and made an oration to them. And the people shouted, they're shouting to Herod, the local politician, that Herod's voice was a God and not a man. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord smote him because he did not give God the glory. And he was eaten by worms and died. But the word of God grew and multiplied. Beloved, this is exactly what happens in our lives today. When we begin to take credit for what God has done, when we begin to say to ourselves that we produce this all by ourselves without the help of God, this is the tragic error and vein in that we come to when we feel that we can operate in our own power and not give God the glory. Suddenly, an angel stricken Herod and he was eaten by worms. God's way of demonstrating that pride comes before a fall and that we must give God all the glory for everything that God gives us the ability to do for our very life, for our very breath, for all that we have, even all that we are able to give away is not in our own power. <clears throat> Not in our own accord, but it is all because of glory, of God's glory and power. Now, you may be asking yourself, why was James killed and Peter delivered? Why did God allow the brother of John to be put to death while Peter was saved with angelic intervention. Couldn't he have just saved James as well? I'm not sure I have all the answer, but I can't help but note what was going on in verse 5. So Peter, verse 5, so Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. Do you see the difference? Peter was kept in prison just like James. But the difference was that one little word, but, mm, but, but earnest prayer to God was made for Peter by the church. Some of you see what difference does prayer make? Couldn't God just have set Peter free without the prayer? What difference did the prayer of the church make? But let us never forget what James, not this James, but another James, James, the brother of Jesus, wrote in the epistle of James where it says, you have not, this is James 4 and 2, you have not 
because you ask not. You see, in his wisdom, God has designed that his people shall participate in what he does. God is impressing upon his people here that when danger threatens the program of God or the people of God, it is a call to prayer. We are not to take the events of our day for granted as though there were nothing we could do anything about or participate in prayer becomes a mighty, powerful thrust on the part of the people of God to change events. That above all else is what this message is shouting to us. Prayer is the most natural and normal response of a heart that is dependent upon God. If we are really counting on God to do something, then our part is to pray about it as we trust him and communicate with him. If you are not counting on God, then you're not praying about it. But if you are depending on God, then you are praying. God, we must go to him beyond our ritual, formal, perfunctuary utterance that means nothing. We must be moved to a dependence on God and pray God a prayer that comes from our dependence. Lord, I need you. Lord, I can't make this journey on my own. Lord, you are God and you are God alone and only you can work. This is what happened to the early church when they realized that James had been put to death and that this vicious attack of the enemy could be successful. It suddenly crystallized in their minds. We better have a prayer meeting. We must do our part. We must pray earnestly for Peter's deliverance. God works in the same way today, and he will respond to your prayers. That does not mean that everything you pray for, you will receive, but sometimes God overrules our prayers, but prayer does other things as well. Even when we don't get what we wanted, I'm almost done. First of all, Prayer has the ability to postpone or delay God's judgment or an act of the enemy. James was taken, but Peter's execution was postponed for another day. This is the primary power of prayer. It can put, oh, I know I'm right. It can put something off, which is threatening and impending at the moment. It may not remove it entirely, but it can change. Prayer can change the time schedule. Second, number two, is the fact that Peter is at peace. 
though he is waiting execution. How can Peter sleep like a baby? If it was you and I that was waiting for our execution the next day, we would have went to the pharmacy and ordered an entire bottle of Simonex sleeping pills so that we could sleep through the whole thing. But Peter slept peacefully because the church was praying for him. Oftentimes, we are praying for others to be delivered. We are praying for their strength. And that is why this apostle, this disciple, was praying that God would keep him. And then number three, the other reason that we pray is because even when the situation is complicated, we pray that God would interpret our weaknesses when we can't find the right words to pray. When the Father knows best, the Bible says in Romans 8, um, that the Spirit will interpret uh, even our feelings, um, even our weaknesses, um, even our moanings and our groanings, uh, that He will interpret them and give that interpretation to the Father. We pray so that prison doors can be opened. We pray so that situations can be changed. We pray so that rulers can be destroyed. Prayer changes things. Those obstacles that are threatening you right now, please remember to pray and that your condition is not your conclusion. Maybe you're being faced with something right now. Pray to God. Give it to God. Stop looking at the obstacle and lay down and rest as you leave it in the arms of Jesus and know that your deliverance is already in place. God bless you, beloved. If you have not received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, if you are ready to acknowledge that you are a sinner, pray this simple prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. I have done many things that don't please you. I have lived my life for myself only. I am sorry. I repent. I ask you to forgive me. I believe that you died on the cross for me to save me. You did what I could not do for myself. I come to you now and ask you to take control of my life. I give my life to you from this day forward. Help me to live every day for you. Lord Jesus, in a way that pleases 
you. If you prayed that simple prayer with me, please contact me at 231-349-1046 as we pray with you and explain to you the first steps of salvation. God bless you, beloved.